You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air, and I here with... Typical Lydia. Today, we're going to do a movie that we meant to do earlier, but there were some technical difficulties. We're going to be doing Frankenstein's Army. It's a found footage film. 2013. Uh, from... Is it Dutch? I believe so. Yeah. It's known as the Army of Frankenstein, I believe, in in Dutch. In Holland. We've done found footage, if you're, depending on what order you're listening to this. But if you listen to episode 7, this will be episode 8. So it's two found footages in a row, which is a first in our infancy in the show. Yeah, and we did uh, also two um, films previous uh, where the main character, like the main um, antagonist, didn't have any speaking roles. So I don't know where we're going to go from here. So we had no speaking role, not found footage, no speaking role, found footage, then found footage with most people have speaking roles that are like the main characters. So next, we should just do something with like animatonic creatures or something like that. That's not found footage. Like a hardwired or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Possibility. Possibility. We'll see, but it's not really sure what... There, there's really no rhyme or reason. Just like Splatter Pictures and its original intentions was for me to just explore my hobby one film at a time, the podcast is pretty much going to be that exact same thing. It's going to be things that I feel like talking about, I haven't seen before, um, getting my earliest or our earliest reactions to things... And just see where we go for it. Some of them are going to be great. Well, they're all going to be great. Some yeah, they're are, all going to be great. That's some of them are going to be greater than others. But uh, this should probably be a good one. Um, found footage, again, is one of those issues in horror like we've sp- uh, spoken about before. Found footage is one of those genres of horror that people either really like or they really hate. Some people draw distinctions about it being done really well. But I honestly just think that if you go into it wanting to hate it, you're just going to hate it no matter what. So the film itself starts out with this guy, Dmitri, who is a Russian propaganda film guy. Even yeah. Know what, like his official title would be. An archivist. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. There's, that uh, they, had, they had photographers um, in the field and uh, he could be, he's, I don't know if he's, he is officially hired to document this platoon, but he's a film student. Yeah. All good found footage horror films start with a film student or somebody getting a camera as a gift for their birthday. Yeah. Here's a camera. <laughs> Just record. The uh, the thing about this film is that it does take place in the 1940s during World War II. So the idea is that the whole thing is being shot on 16 millimeter through a very old handheld recording device. Although they do make some there are some lines of dialogue that are thrown out about certain people not having seen cameras as advanced as what they have. Yeah, so this recording sound and it had multiple lenses uh, yeah. that he could toggle between. So it is state of the art at yeah. the time. State of the art for the time. They did go to some efforts towards the beginning. 
to put grain on the film to sort of show the film a little beat up, some overexposure in some frames. Uh, Like you said, they were like constantly clicking between lenses. But I felt after the midway point of the movie, all of that, all the graining, all the the grains and all that, it just went away. Yeah. I don't know if they were supposed to indicate. And there was no more B-roll because they were like... You know, not the party scene, but I guess it was sort of the party scene after they pillage a little and just the the beginning montage where it's like these strong Russian men in the wilderness fighting for the freedom of their neighbors, like, too. Yeah, a lot of walking, a lot of trees and fields, a lot of brown. Yeah. It's, visually speaking... I gotta say, the beginning of the film is slow. It is super slow. And then the moment that they go into the uh, artillery shelled church, the apparent church, it no more graininess, no more playing around, no more B-roll, no more tomfoolery, no more goofing around, no more slow either. The pace picks up and remains pretty constant. Yeah, it really does. The second they discover the uh, the first zombot well the the well to be fair the first one that actually is mobile yeah um not just a carcass in not the just a carcass which was really funny but you pointed out that scene where they come across a, what they just assume is a regular dead soldier they take his rifle and they move on the guy filming it spends a little bit more time with the body and it turns out that it's awake. And it's one of the Zombots. Yeah, it spits blood all over his his camera lens, and presumably him. And when one of his... I don't know what the uh, who it was that came to interrupt him. I think it, it was... The sergeant. Was it not the sergeant? It was the older, the older guy, wasn't was it? Was it? I think and so. then he, he asked him what, it, what was going on, and he's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's like, wouldn't you tell somebody that the apparent dead soldier just woke up and didn't wouldn't you notice there's blood all over buddy all of a sudden it's true the body had been moved um he could have just assumed that the body had been moved by itself them no that's next door hmm. creepy now we'll hear the creaking of the door someone's trying to break in and kill us both and lock me and Libby in the basement so we decided to keep rolling for just all you rolling. listeners out there yeah, we're obsessively like that's the next level, right? Just it's like pure horror radio, but found podcast radio. Who would upload it, honestly? No, it's just like a podcast that was never aired. Yeah, I guess the cops would be like, "Hey, this thing's recording." This thing's recording, and then they just put it up because it's like us. Like running away from something, and it's like a radio show. Fuck, I'm taking that over the hill. You could do like radio, like fucking old-timey radio storytelling, uh, like fucking Fibber McGee or something like that, or another probably more contemporary example. Yeah, that would be a better choice, like The Shadow. Sure, yes. Um, uh, And then, but just do it like horror, and it's podcasters, and a killer comes in, or something happens, something spooky, supernatural, or whatever happens, we're recording... And then 
we'll just keep recording. We've got the mics on us or like we'll carry the mic with us. And then it's us running away from something, some sort of unseen thing. And we encounter, fuck man, that's like a fucking idea that you can just do in your house. I've heard people podcasting, um, the horror, etc. They podcast sometime from cafes and that would be nice. You know, my brain is like doc, Ock busts in and starts flipping cars through the windows and shit. And <laughs> two podcasters just like, and anyway, so that movie was, oh my shit and God, what the hell? Yeah. That's true. And then the... So you could do that. Sounds of demolition and destruction. You could probably just have like, you know, I don't know, Cloverfield on the TV, some of the destruction going on there, and then just hit play, that destruction sound play, a little bit of Transformers maybe, some nice yeah. Michael Bay destruction explosions in the background. Anyway, so we're off topic, right? <laughs> It'll happen sometimes. Whatever, man. I just fucking launched a thousand ships with my fucking found podcast recording mm-hmm. or radio thing. Yeah, no, it's not a bad idea. I like that. I would participate, except if I have to like scream and stuff, because I'm no good at that. I don't have a good girly scream. Yeah, you have a very husky, husky timber. So, <laughs> I could... It's not my fault. My balls descended early. <laughs> then they drop right off. <laughs> they descended so abruptly. They're like, bam, and hit the floor. You stepped yeah. on them. You're like, ow, I'm cutting these things off. Fucking I'm a girl right. now. Yeah, that's how it happened. Secret origins of typical Lydia. Stuff that giant dick up inside. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm going to edit this out, but I won't. Yeah, you're going to. Because it's got your super secret podcast recipe in there. You don't want anyone to know how you get the caramel inside the caramel bar. True. Where were we? Dimitri. He had blood all over him and his buddy pal was all like... Thanks for bringing me to that point. What you learn later about the character, that scene does end up making a bit more sense why he wouldn't want to indicate... That they're dealing with a zombot. Or even his own level of interest, because it might potentially give him away. It's true. Um, they're never referred to as zombots in the film themselves, but in the credits, they're referred to as zombots. Um, they had to... It, it seems like a general search and rescue rush, uh, recording about Russian soldiers. They go to investigate possible rescue yeah and it's kind of lucky because it seems that he's just there to film whatever happens you know just like a reality tv in a way it's and weird. then they get this uh they hear this looped message on the radio and they just think that the broadcaster can't hear them talking to them and they're saying that they're trapped and mm-hmm. they need help and they're at this location mm-hmm. so they go to investigate which turns into uh, like an episode of cops when they get a call so he goes and follows them here yeah it's um and then they just sort of, uh, well, then they just start encountering all of these creatures. First, when they're at the church, and there's this stitched up mummy looking one, well, naked almost. Yeah. A mole rat or something. Yeah, like 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 a mole rat. And like, um, very Silent Hill. That's a, probably like, there's a lot of parallels between the monsters and Silent Hill characters. I agree. Right from 
pyramid head to a, a sick nurse uh, or whatever you want to call those nurse type people. Mm-hmm. And this is the closest to a really organic and plain Silent Hill creature. Even the Ash Babies, I think they're called, or the Burning the Burning Babies. Yeah. Yeah. Although where I would say the Silent Hill are almost more primitive in that they're not using a lot of technology with the Silent Hill creatures, whereas these are very, I don't want to say, like, steampunk, but yeah, a little... They're very steampunk, and we can't not use that word to describe this, because it is really steeped in maker culture. It's Dr. Frankenstein, and he is the original steampunk, if you will, as far as um, the steampunk that isn't all petticoats, pince-nez, and top hats. It's the steampunk that is acid etching and gears and cogs with actual animatronics and motion and clockwork that has some sort of ends and is blending, you know, wood and metal and steam and electricity to do whatever it is or make whatever it is that they want to make. So it's very maker culture oriented. So we can't ignore the steampunk. It's true. And because of that maker culture that you're talking about, the thing that I love the, the, the highlight of this movie is the creature designs. Yeah, very Jim Henson, very um, industrial light and magic. It it almost seems like creatures that would have been built for a movie years ago. Not the, like you know, they're so strange. It is very Jim Hensony, or you know, yeah, think like Dark Crystal. Thinking Dark Crystal style uh animatronics but attributed to these machinery type things and they're definitely dudes in suits well with, with a few exceptions um that little globe dude the little globe uh, r2 dietrich yeah it's interesting how they cobble these together as it's very they're all their own thing very specifically there's some overlap lot blades claws Things like that. But then there's creatures that are completely unique. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have, looks like they have pieces of uh, airplane attached to them. Just whatever technology was available to them. Yeah, and they had it in abundance. Because thinking of how big the Luftwaffe was. And how big of a U-boat campaign they had. And I can't remember the German term for the uh, submarines. But how much of that scrap he would have access to and how much of that scrap would have just been laying around just as spoils of war, so to speak. So it's probably all sort of British planes. You'd have to have a real specialist in World War II um, from all nations and the artillery used and the machinery used. And they would probably be able to identify all different styles and types of aircraft, submarine technology, war technology, tanks, things like that. Um, and there was so much of it. It was so interesting. Even the, uh, not the submariner, but the the guy in the deep sea diving bell type suit. Yeah. He even had like some sort of sonar because he was pinging, which was I thought it was amazing. That was cool. And more sound effects that had everything to do with all of this technology. Mm-hmm. The, the propeller, of course, he was huge and awesome and hardly human, but he had that a very distinct sound of a propeller. But then the pinging of the underwater guy and whoever was setting off the klaxon anywhere. I don't know if that was a monster that had a klaxon built into him, which would be cool. Uh, or if somebody was actually sounding a klaxon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what you were saying about the maker culture, like there's such an artistic flair 
to each one of these creatures. Like, you look at each one of these creatures and you almost can envision a backstory for mm-hmm. each and every one of them. They're not just, well, here's, here's a, you know, maybe one or two unique ones and then we'll make a bunch of generic soldier ones. Um, they're all their own individual thing. They all are just fantastic looking. Like it really is the highlight of the film. And I, and like the plot is such as it is. Um, the acting is passable. It's serviceable. Everything is serviceable, but I honestly feel as though they, their main focus was let's make these creatures look amazing and cool and something that you would want to cosplay as, or you'd want to, have like a, a, a an action figure of or something like that, and then we'll work out the details. Yeah, it's of very everything else. Clyde Barker's tortured souls, where just looking at them, you can sort of not only envision how they die or what, how they live before that, but sort of what their motivations are now that they're the creature that they are. They could release uh, a concept uh, art book for this movie easily, just like with just the creatures alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but it's crazy because uh, the plot, such as it is, is predicated on the idea that at some point during the war, Hitler approached the direct descendant of Victor Frankenstein. So in this universe, uh, Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster is something that happened, mm-hmm. um. And now his only living descendant has inherited all this knowledge. But he, in particular, seems to have a very twisted interpretation of it. It's it's even beyond what his father... Because uh, Frankenstein keeps referencing his father and how his father was trying to stop him. Yeah, and t- tell him that what he was doing was a sin. And, yeah. Yeah. He's even beyond uh, human centipede sort of realm yeah. of possibility and aims. Given the time frame and the age of Victor Frankenstein in the movie, do you think it's it was literally his father was Victor Frankenstein? So is this like the son of Frankenstein character? Because because if this took place in the forties and he was an old man, and I don't know what year Frankenstein took place. I'm going to look it up because my brain wants to say like, um, like 1888 where everything cool happened. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if it was 1888 when everything cool happened. Um, uh, 1818. 1818. So yeah. it could have been like I don't know if they were trying to say that that's when it happened or if this it could was have been his grandfather. It could it, it easily could have been like a, a great descendant. It doesn't. It, I'm not exactly sure, but. At the very least, this is the last surviving Frankenstein that we know of that has this knowledge to create essentially life after death, to make more creatures that are incorporating technology, to make them weaponized. Um, They Hitler approaches him. Now, the Russians are removing the Germans from their territory. Trying to liberate the townsfolk. And what we find out is that Dimitri's true mission is not to document these random Russian soldiers, but to take them to 
Victor Frankenstein to either get him to join them or to f- and and also find out his secrets. Yeah, collect as much information as he could and that was a real point of the camera. Yeah, that was a real point, not shooting soldiers and and trees and fields and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um but to get these creatures. And so <clears throat> after that point things start to make a little bit more sense. It's a very loose plot and it's really when we were watching it you likened it to a video game and I very much agree it was very there were scenes in that movie especially when they're in the catacombs yeah and <clears throat> all these creatures are just popping out of nowhere it reminded me of yeah, a POV shooter where you're shooting monsters as opposed to human soldiers and and all of the creatures look so well done like video game characters yeah. and, they, and they all have like the big swastikas on them some of them have like the swastikas on them are like ridiculous like the ones that are like the one in like the big uh had, like, the color guy when he had it right in the center yeah right or big or there's another one that seemed to be in that bell or whatever but he had like this attachment <laughs> that's only function to me seemed to be like here's a giant colorful swastika on it it reminded me of like like uh cobra forces like from gi joe like everyone just has to have like the snake logo on them somewhere yeah and so it was uh it, it was, was branding like you pointed out it was just simple branding and a very like propaganda style nazi branding that was going on just yeah. ingrained in him as a good Nazi, I suppose. Yeah. Um, even the, the what would be considered one of the bosses, because he was a monster that was the coolest looking, biggest, and lived the longest, and had the most kills, was the drill face guy. Drill face guy, yeah. Yeah, who I have a cartoon crush on now of some sort, because <laughs> um, he is so damn cool, and he just had the simple armband, which almost gave him a little more credibility, yeah, a little more humanity there. Yeah, he almost looked like a like a, and he he seemed to have like a more intelligent. He wasn't like a lot of the other ones were uh, sort of flailing around, very autonomous when they moved. Uh, yeah, or bumbling, bumbling, single-minded yeah. drones. Yeah, this guy seemed like he was, he was stalking. He could be really quiet, you know, super insectile. Yeah, yeah, insect like yeah, because he yeah. had kind of like the drill in his face made him kind of look like a mosquito. Yeah. but he also kind of had like a praying mantis thing going on with the way that he walked. It was yeah. really interesting, and 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 it was funny because. You could tell that when these creatures were getting designed, they were supposed to represent a flare of inspiration that their creator would have had. Mm-hmm. So they would have something in mind. And you could see when they finally encounter Frankenstein, he does have that sense. There's a bit of irony in what he likes to do, how he likes to create things, like threatening to build a camera, camera and, into that guy's face. Yeah, which is exactly how he probably would have approached each one of his victims slash creations. Yeah. And being like, oh, well, I see that you're a submariner. How about we you know, fuse you to your suit forever? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were a pilot. How about I put like a plane propeller on you? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and, and so, yeah, that's like that was a really cool aspect of it. I would have liked to have spent a little bit more time with that and so he can make good on his threat to put the camera in his head because I was really interested and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, almost with the same sort of fascination that you watch uh, Hannibal Lecter uh, cut in to one of his victims and yeah. cook his brain right there while and you explain, want to watch that and happen. And explain what he's doing and yeah. very methodical and stuff like that. Yeah, so you almost want to 
have that now that you're, you're up close and intimate with Victor Frankenstein by the end you, you want to take that moment and have him do an aside and just do the procedure that he's threatened to do as the uh, soldiers get closer into these catacombs deeper into the catacombs um, after Dimitri reveals who he is threatens them threatens their families to keep them going because when people start dying uh, typically uh, or I would say what you would expect the soldiers to react is how they react. Was they don't. This isn't worth it. This is we got to get well, out. Well, yeah, of here. he's got this group who have um, a combination of one who is dead set against him, a great communist, and also has just been like uproariously outranked and de- deceived, like unbelievably deceived. Mm-hmm. And then they have young Sasha, who's only just come into his own from being the, the dog of the bunch and yeah, the runt The pup. youngest, the youngest, the, the was, least experienced. Yeah, then given some power reluctantly and they t- it taken away. So he's just kind of all over the map with his emotions. And being the youngest, he's full of those. And then you've got the guy that just swears all the time, whose name I cannot remember because he's just... Fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, but he's he's really just that anytime Diesel out of control broken arrow that's about to powder keg explode any second. The second that their commanding officer gets killed and they're like it, like it, and that's the thing, like everyone is completely anonymous until the first guy is killed and then all of a sudden everyone's personalities are starting to cuz I didn't even notice that angry guy until they were fighting over who should be in command. Yeah. I, I, I was like, wow, we're spending a lot of time with the Polish guy. And, and and then when this guy showed up, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where the hell was he? And then I was like, really? Are we doing the loose cannon? I'm the rageaholic. I'm not going to follow any orders. Well, you have to. There yeah. has to be some real threats. When he comes yeah. out and says, oh, yeah, by the way, I outrank all y'all. And, oh, I said y'all. You'll have to edit that. So he comes out of nowhere, outranks them all, and gives them basically a new mission. Rips the mission out from under their feet. It's revealed that it was all a lie. And they've all been playing into his plot anyway. So here's your new mission. You have to follow it or else. Um, Of course, the pissed off guy has to be the pissed off guy. Yeah. Someone's going to have to retaliate. Someone has to come at him right away with fists. And it's got it's it would be silly if it was anyone else, but the guy that you already knew was out to just stab everyone in the throat at a moment's notice. Yeah, uh, that was the thing. Like, like they they did not pull any punches. If you were an uh, wounded or a burden to them in any way, it was very we're we're gonna put you out of your misery. We're gonna kill you. And they're like very stabby, very stumbly. Oh, like, yeah. like the amount of falling down that all of these characters do is ridiculous. But and here's the thing: if you're getting chased by these mechanized monsters, yeah, all right. The panic plus the uh, the close quarters and all this kind of shit. Sure, you'll stumble, you'll fall. But the whole first part of the movie, to me seemed like just watching characters repeatedly fall when nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it was just so... Fr- I was getting mad. It was, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me when you're dreaming and you have to run after something or run away from something and you keep falling. Did you ever have any of yeah, those dreams? Yeah, that definitely happens, yeah. Yeah, so it just reminded me of it. And I was just like, oh, this is so frustrating to watch. But then I guess like 
they get extra stumbly when shit actually starts to go down. Well, I'd like to point out that, like, and I did, like, um, I'm pretty sure they spend a lot of the time hungover because <laughs> they're enjoying whatever spoils of war they come across, yeah. whatever they can pillage, whatever they can find, whatever they can steal, uh, whatever they're carrying, because they don't seem to be carrying anything other than film, cigarettes, vodka, and... Like, they don't eat, really. They eat rabbits. They eat some stew or whatever. They don't really eat much. Um, so I don't know what they're carrying other than vodka. So they're probably hungover. They're tired. They're exhausted. Mm-hmm. It's cold. They're underdressed. Their shoes are not what we consider, like, military caliber by any means these days. So their shoes are probably as, as, as cool as, like, wearing Converse out in the wintertime. So, uh, yeah, they're probably stumbly, and it's uncertain terrain. You know, there's some frosty underbrush over, like, mud paths that have been driven over by numerous heavy machinery, and there's ruts everywhere. Of course they're going to be stumbly. Well, fine. I will I will accept the fact that they're very stumbly. I just think it might be a little too stumbly. For you. For me. I found that really frustrating. As a guy that doesn't fall down too much... I found it really. <laughs> I don't fall down too much either, and I'm no guy. But oh <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, um, I didn't find it that. I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out. Like, didn't really dawn on me. Yeah, a lot like a lot of found footage films. Um, it's very hard to keep track of certain characters. I lost track of who was alive, who was dead, when they died. Um, and I've seen this movie before. Well, the female field nurse, um, yeah, is a is a is a glaring example of someone you lose track of. Yeah, I just I couldn't. And maybe she shows up at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie again. I'm not entirely sure. According to somebody online, that's what happened to her. I don't know. We'd have to look at the credits and see how she's credited. Yeah, and how her creature, like the creature that could very well be her and looking at her face and thinking about her face it was very plausible that makes sense i'm not sure if it's the same actress i'd have to really look now that i like think that it's probably true makes sense nurse nurse yeah and they don't pull any punches because uh there was a kid there and (laughs) yeah man yeah they there's animal cruelty i mean i usually don't um, the, worry too much about you know warnings for people who are are going to go watch a horror film that has things like animal cruelty um, and violence against children. But I do feel like it's sometimes warranted when there's more than one instance mm-hmm. and it's not really part of the plot. This movie really reminded me. It's gore levels, the video game or comic book levels of. The creature designs. That's where that's where I think the levity would come from. Like you oh, for really, sure. You wouldn't have to take it so seriously because it gets so ridiculous. Like the deeper into the catacombs you get, uh, the the more the laboratory you explore, the more numerous and the weirder. Some well, of these when it gets pre- right down to the point of the glass case, the teddy bear with the girl's head fused to it. Yeah, like that what? is just the high, height of ridiculousness, right I, there. I watch that, and and it's and it's so strange because now I want to know what what is the story behind this? Who is that woman? It's gotta be his mom, or wife, or Ooh. or something. Yeah, you know. 
sister. It's like it seemed very important. Oh, extremely! It's under glass, and it's probably been there for quite some time. Because it was, you want to assume it was his teddy bear. It's strange that there's another teddy bear there, no children at all. Yeah, uh, and so you, uh, and that was the thing that I was really. I wouldn't say disappointed, but but there's a lot of the movie that left me wanting, where I wanted Well, to... we have that opportunity, though. Like, it's a lot like a video game, like a Silent Hill game or any sort of RPG where you need to explore. And it's the point is exploring. Sometimes you'll pass through a room and be like, ooh, I'm going to come back to this because I need to look at all those photos on the wall. Whether they have anything to do with the plot or not, it's interesting to you. But you might notice, like, oh, there's that picture of that family. So I'd like to go back, video game style, and peruse those rooms that he passes through rather quickly. Mm-hmm. But because it's a movie, it can tr- it dictates the pace in which you observe all those things too. So I, w- I guess what I'm saying is that I would just would have liked more time with that, more explanation. And again, when you're dealing with found footage, when things are happening where the camera's not pointing at it, you don't see it, and you're just you know, like, how did those soldiers get caught? Like, like, what was the story there? Mm-hmm. I thought Sasha was dead. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, because I thought they showed him in the meat basket with all, like, the body parts and stuff like that. So I, I assumed he was gone. And then he showed up and I was like, oh. So I, 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 and I, I understand that that's the point of the found footage. The point of the found footage is to, you're looking at the footage and you're just it's not entirely relevant i guess they're just like well they got caught that's all you need to know they were in the that facility they got overwhelmed and that's the end of it uh so dimitri it brings the proposition of frankenstein leaving with him and joining the russian side because everyone is just fascinated by his creatures and the thing that i kept thinking of, especially when I was watching it the second time, was yeah, it's interesting but there's no... The movie does not make any attempt to explain how any of this is really happening, any of the science behind it, and it's so dirty. Like, it's... Yeah. Like He's got brains and styrofoam plates, or what looks like a styrofoam plate, some sort of meal tray. Yeah. And he's just like walking around willy-nilly grabbing body parts and sticking them here and there. And God knows what's in his soup. I mean, it's all just a big mishmash of of body parts, machinery, grease, and guts. Yeah, it really is. And it's funny because when you get to the, I would say, the heart of his operation, it almost looks like a hospital, but there's very, like, factory-ish industrial aspects to it that with also like white paneling so it kind of looks like a hospital mm-hmm. um and, and it's just so rough and raw it's just bone saws and that's more like a morgue because morgues do have that clinical slash industrial look to them because they do have a lot of like you know winches and things to deal with the dead weight of heavy bodies they've got like huge shower down type tub table slabs that are for bathing the bodies and things like that. They've got tanks of various liquids and fluids and gases and things mm-hmm. kicking around. And they might have, you know, like, of course, bone saws and things like that. And uh, torches and God knows what mm-hmm. to deal with the bodies. Whatever they would need to deal with. Yeah, which isn't as clinical as a hospital. Everything is all, you know, swabs and individually wrapped this and that. It's true. 
and well lit. It's and I guess pretty well lit. Thank God for the filmmaking, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it, but but like the only th- the thing that I kept thinking about, especially in certain rooms, was like, what does this room smell like? Oh God! Imagine, yeah, the room that is almost removed from all of those sorts of settings that we can relate to um it being like a like a factory or like a garage or like a morgue or like a hospital um that room where everyone's just hanging yeah it's like almost like a hanger it's as big as a hanger yeah and it's just a huge cold storage for bodies yeah if it's cold and if it's not then what it does it smell cold. like <laughs> it looked cold because the ground was misty so i was getting the uh, indi- i was getting the indication that it was Kind of like a freezer, yeah. And it's like, and it's it's so strange because the operation is so confusing. It's like there's just these heaps of bins of parts, and then there's people on meat hooks, like you said, and then there's here's our live specimens, like here's all of this fucking shit, and you're like, how long? Are these bodies here? How many of these things has he made? Because that's the other thing. It's like you turn another corner and there's another one and another one and mm-hmm. another one. And it doesn't seem to be too much repeat. There is, but... Yeah, some of the favorites. Yeah, some of the favorites. Some of the big the big creatures that are, are like, okay, these are our showcase pieces. <laughs> yeah. and And then everyone else is sort of... They're here for a quick cut and then that's kind of the end of them. Um, it's kind of like uh, all the different goblins that are featured in um, Labyrinth. There's a couple of really cool goblins. You almost have an idea of their... You, you can tell their voices apart and they look very distinct. But then there's their random goblins that are just... Yeah. Look similar to the other ones, but they're just indispensable. And, yeah. Right. Different looking ones that don't really have a voice. So they're just grooving in the background or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy with the... Uh, it wasn't, there was two different guys. There was a guy with a big hatchet in the background that was just chopping up a body or something. And he was just in the background. And I thought it was the guy with the hammer, but that was one of his platoon mates that was turned into a, not quite a zombot, more zom than bot. And he just had that big mallet and came at him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the same guy because they looked really, really similar. And they're only in the background. They're only in for a little minute. Uh, but they were different because the other guy was fresh. The new guy that was more zom than bot. The mm. other guy was already there when they got there. Yeah. So yeah, just background zombots. Yeah, yeah. It's it's true. I, I again, I just really wish that they had explained. That was the other thing. Like I didn't since they were like we, I didn't feel like we were spending a lot of time with certain characters. I had a sensation. I guess I had a feeling that that guy with the hammer was. The, in his platoon, but I didn't really know for sure. I'm positive he was. He I know like that him. there was a scene where a bunch of them got taken. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's where the nurse went, and I'm guessing that's where a lot of the extra characters went. Um, but it wasn't entirely clear to me mm-hmm. at the time. And, and and like I said, I've seen this movie more than once. Maybe I'm just not watching it close enough. But um, that that's kind of the bad thing about found footage that I always find frustrating is you're always it's shaky cams and you're dealing with long shots of characters in the distance. And Well, I'm glad they did some long shots of things, especially when you can drink in the 
that quiet tension of the near the end scene when Dimitri's at the table and being force fed. I'm glad that that's one big long shot and it's not uh, something with a lot of detail either for you to sit there and drink in and be distracted. You're pretty focused in on that one scene. Um, and again, near the end, when you see, when it becomes apparent that Dim- uh, Sasha has made it mm-hmm. and you just sort of see him poking out here, poking out there, sneaking across there. It's nice to be able to catch those little details because there isn't yeah. a lot going on. But there's so many other scenes where you want to drink in more and the camera's kind of all over the place, not helping you at all. Yeah. Um, back to like the medical things. I'm I'm glad that they glossed over that because it would have taken more time. Like it's already an 80-some minute film, which is long enough for me. Yeah. And they could have sacrificed maybe a little bit at the beginning. But yeah. if they would have delved too much into the madness of the medical angle at all it would have almost become slow and boring because then you're like oh great we're watching house again you know (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be the same sort of explanation for most of them he fuses stuff together and he seems to be almost like have that magical ability to just stick uh, a head on a like a depth charge and it's a depth charge man you know you can just do that that was the thing that was baffling me because there's this whole his big idea that towards the end of the movie is to take a Nazi brain, cut it in half, and fuse it with a communist brain so people could understand each other and the war would be over. Um, he So he just cuts two people's heads open, takes his scalpel, and just like cuts a brain in half unceremoniously as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you know, no, like, look, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure cutting a brain in half of two completely different people, taking one hemisphere and another hemisphere and just putting them in one head. And and he's just like, he's like, I have fused these two together. I'm like, how? How did you do that? Like, And the creature can see at the end, too. So, like, he went through the trouble... The brain surgery and the and the neurosurgery that's required to connect optic nerves yeah. to new new well one at least to a new half a brain yeah impossible like he's treating them like it's play doh you can yeah, just smush play doh together and behold or like one of those interchangeable action figures like I can take the arm from this guy and put it on well the I suppose arm of this it's guy. going back to the whole Mary Shelley style Frankenstein where. That was just it. He basically did take the dead bodies and put them together like Play-Doh, yeah. apply electricity, and poof, like a frog that twitches when you zap it, it works. Mm-hmm. And I guess that they were just, you know, every, if everyone can suspend disbelief to that point, that you can go and dig up bodies. And I love those, like, little homage bits, those little tiny throwbacks to the original Frankenstein, like the dead bodies. Or the, the empty coffins outside. That was cute. Mm-hmm. And the cranking of the generator. Yeah, cranking so, the generator. What, what was the, na- the name of the helper in... Uh, Fritz. Fritz. And then uh, Riff Raff from yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show. It looked very Riff Raffy. Yeah. Um, uh, Ava, the, the, the medical zombot, looking very much like a bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. with uh, her being all mummy wrapped up and... Uh, sort of like a, a more modern, maybe sexier take on Bride of Frankenstein. 
And it wasn't storming out, but once they begin getting shelled and just the storm, the, the, the sounds of war, the klaxon, the sonar, things like mm-hmm. that, it's sort of sure it's some sort of like loud, clanging, clashing, stormy noise going on outside. Mm-hmm. I wish it had been storming. That would have been... That would have been great. That would have been great. The whole thing, he runs completely on his own. Uh, he builds up these creatures. They will only listen to him. He says as much. And they... Yes, they're weapons. Yes, they fight and they kill. And But they're... they're seems like their day-to-day job is like worker bees. Where they carry... They, they go out, fetch more bodies to make more. They seem to do general maintenance of the entire uh, facility while he is just sort of free to... I don't know if they cook, too, because they one brought the big pot of stew and if he was just serving it butler style or if he if he made it, that would be cool, too. I don't remember if he was wearing an apron, but lots of them could have been wearing well, aprons. Well, in the medical area, he seemed to have some that looked like they were specifically designed to perform sophisticated surgery. They had... You know the one, like yeah. like the the thin one with the sort of leather smock on with the goggles. Uh, it had very like specific like surgical fingers that it made that that it was, it was sort of conducting everything. And he made that point about his yeah, father he showed off that. Yeah, he, he showed off that thought. thing. I was the, even looking at parts um, when they're deeper into the tunnel system. Um, because it's so much, they're they're not so much gurneys that they're using as mine carts. And when yeah. they're in deeper into the underneath of this abbey, I'm like, are, are they running a mining operation as well? Would that explain uh, the vast amounts of hammers and um, drilling apparatus that are attached to these creatures? Yeah, rock crushing type things. Or like maybe it was a mine originally, and, and they the just abbey built, built on top. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They put a factory in it? This is like almost like a turducken kind of thing <laughs> hinting at here, which is another abomination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, overall, I did really like it. The plot, like, the, the, the plot is, is weak, but... Not if you look at it from the aspect of this really seemed like a bunch of filmmakers that wanted to just show cool monsters killing people. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that there's any more to it than that. And I'm almost sorry that the ending is fairly conclusive because I would have loved for them to do a sequel. I'd like to see more of these creatures do something else with them. Maybe not in a found footage um, style. I think the found footage was fine. It worked for the movie, but you know, I have a proposition then because I don't want to write it. But if someone else could go write it, it could be some of the remaining monsters because they don't all just shut down like when a king yeah. vampire dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, they keep going, but pretty soon they're going to need some sort of maintenance. Someone's going to have to grease their gears or whatever or give them a direction because they're going to run the things to do. And maybe they could all sort of like band together and have a silent nod and then go marching across the frozen tundra and find somebody who will take care of them. It's like in that scene from Maximum Overdrive where all the cars need gas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And they can get Big Drill Face to go and just threaten the fuck out of whoever. Find some doctor and be like... 
oil us. First it's like an angrier talk. version of Tin Man. Oil, <laughs> motherfuck! I'll drill you. <laughs> you have a rock crusher play- face guy that backing him up. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know what that was supposed to be other than a rock crusher. I really don't know. I don't know. That, that was pretty cool. That was like, it's like I have a weapon that is for the specific scenario of me sneaking up behind you and crushing your face. Yeah. It doesn't work for anything else. Nope. And, I mean, in my mind, it's like he's going to lean in for a little peck on the cheek and it goes awry. <laughs> Chops a person's head clean in half. I don't know why. It happened again. It happened again. Why? Every time why? I try to get close to someone. Why would anyone suck face with me? Rock crusher face. <laughs> 40-some years old, never kissed a girl. It's true. Rock crusher face. That's basically it. I don't know the names of these creatures. They're not like Cenobites where, you know, I call them on the phone, we hang out. Yeah. You know, know it's interesting that you you bring up Cenobites because it's cool that I I thought about that once in the movie. I was like, these do kind of remind me of Cenobites in that they are all different, Mm -hmm. but they're all of a piece. They all look like, even though they're they look very different individually. You can tell that they're all part of the same thing. Yeah, because instead of having the trademarks of like um, a f- little bits of open flesh, black eyes, white skin, and leather accoutrement of some sort, mm-hmm. um, S&M style fetish gear looking clothing when they do have clothing or like what clothing they do- are wearing. Um, instead, these guys all have... Uh, humanoid characteristics with some or no flesh showing they all have some wartime and aside from the nazi branding they're going to have a, that sort of branding um a particular color scheme to them which is just this industrial and black uh camel like, green army colors yeah brown there's there's a lot of brown it's like it's very earth tony yeah very earth tony is there is there their color palette they're all all of them are um and there is a lot of a lot of black going on mm-hmm. um and a lot of the the weaponry, the, not, uh, it's all corroded and rusty looking, mm. or not clean at least. No, Sharp, nothing for sure. Yeah, but not uh, clean. Yeah, uh, everything's soiled, and they all, most of them, except the the quicker guy, um, the drill face guy. They're all have this. They're all kind of large. They're all kind of lumbering, and they're all kind of like droney. So mm. they have a particular uh, way about them as, as well. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like Cenobites in that way. You're totally right. Whereas I, I liken them more even to Clyde Barker's Tortured Souls, which don't have a unique... They yeah. all have a unique look, and they don't have um, a, a specific characteristic or set of characteristics that identify them as part of a whole. They're all also completely different. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the the one the one uh, Zombot that was the most different, honestly, was that woman, the nurse one, because she completely. was stark white. And and like, and she looked very clean. Everything else looked very dirty and industrial and used. And she looked very clean and fresh and, and sterile. Yeah, sterile. A good nurse. A good nurse. The uh, I think she's the only female. Uh, she's the only female female zombot. I think there's the 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 verdict is out in my mind on the very first one that they encounter because it sex was not apparent because it yeah. was bald and featureless and 
in the in some sort of throes of agony, and I'm not sure exactly what it was supposed to be and what it was doing there. Yeah, like if it was guarding it, like why guard that facility? Yeah, because it was plugged into the into the area. It did not have a range to it. No, it had um, a very. Uh, it wasn't all. It, its character wasn't wrapped around its weapons, where all the other ones were very much about their weapons and the way that they uh, moved, the way that they like what their uh, the way that they would attack, um, and what their specific jobs were, or mm-hmm. like their whatever jobs you could imagine these things having. Uh, all had a lot to do with their weapons. That thing, I don't know, man, because it had a little bit like a drilly hand or something, a saw hand. Yeah. But it didn't have anything else going on. The rest of it was relatively unscathed, and it was very fleshy. It was the most fleshy one out of all of those Zombots. Yeah. He can, he controls them. He did not explain how he controls them, but you would have to assume that there was like a mechanism or a visual or the sound of his voice, but he said like once he's out of range or gone. So I'm wondering if it wasn't like a signal boost or like a signal that was... Well, it could just be um, natural imprinting among uh, mammals. And I, I'm not, I know zoologist, right. but I don't know much about all animals of the earth, but um, well, birds, yeah, birds aren't mammals. So um, they imprint on their mother. And when their mother leaves, they just mule and mule, and then they'll go um, rooting for food or whatever, and they do kind of go a little bit ballistic. Um, I don't know if they, like, would attack people with their drill hands, but (laughs) (laughs) once the mother is out of range, they can't smell her, they can't see her, they can't hear her, they cry out, they don't get a response, they do go a little bit cagey. Um, so I guess that might've been what he was relying on that, or there is some sort of hive mind going on, or there is some sort of like, maybe he has some sort of, um, sonic little subliminal message playing all the time or something that keeps them in check. That's, Mm, you know, attached to some sort of homing device in a, in a collar that he wears. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, just because the concept was cool. And I wasn't disappointed with how much I liked the creatures. I really liked this movie. But I, I really like the movie for the creature design, not so much the plot. The yeah, plot is fine. Same. The plot is serviceable. It gets you where you need to go, which is to all these fantastic creatures that have been made. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't need to be any more convoluted or stretched out or detailed yeah. than it is. They've got a really nice framework to just plop all this amazing animatronics on top of and a lot of really cool physical effects. Oh, that, like. and that's what I loved about it. So much great practical mm-hmm. effects. I want to know about the snow. I don't know, because the snow was even just atmospheric and neat and give you the idea of how uh, isolated they really were out there and how alone this small brigade was um, in just the snow. These big, large flakes of lonely, cold snow. And it looked so nice and swirly, just really good cinematography there. I don't know if they were uh, real or not. Like, physically real. I mean... Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I was, Not like I was... real snow. They found a snowy day, you know. Um, it's hard to say. It's like, like it's making like, snow. But like, did like... they make snow or did they CG snow? On that note, definitely you should check it out. It was highly recommended to me for a very, very long time, and I put it off until only recently. And I shouldn't have. It was great. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>